and welcome back everyone to another episode of the black and blue pod i am here with noah we're here to give you our uh storyline takes on some of the nfl action that has happened since we've been gone it's been a while we've been busy with school and everything like that and noah how are you feeling how's how's life treating you since we've we took a little hiatus unexpectedly <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I, we, I didn't intend to do that at all, but it's been busy, obviously, with finals and then some other stuff going on. But luckily, you know, this week, I'm actually, I don't have any more finals this week. I have one next week and then I'm done. I got one done yesterday and one done last Friday. So at least been getting them done. And uh, now I can chill out for a little bit and start to study for the one I have next week. So I know it's been busy for you too. I know you're working and you were driving back up to Penn State to go do hockey games and basketball and everything. So it's just been a lot on you too. Um, but you know, at least we're really close to, you know, Christmas and, and getting, you know, at least kind of a month off, you know, we're not really worried about too much. So, uh, hey. now we're just, now you're just worried about your Eagles because Jesus Oh Christ. my God. Yeah. As if I wasn't stressed out enough. I had to, I didn't even watch it at this point. I had to spin it to like the Eagle season is so atrocious. They're so, they're so bad that I had to spin it. I was texting a friend who's a Steelers fan. He was like, I was like, Oh, so much for undefeated. And, uh, I was like, that's why you got to root for a terrible team so that you can be productive because you don't want to watch them. Like, it's so bad. It is so bad. I didn't even watch the Eagles game. I saw that they were up 3-0. Then Green Bay scored on, like, a fourth and one at our own – at our – the Eagles one-yard line. I was like, okay, game over. Aaron Rodgers is going to light us up at that point. Like, that defense had to play a perfect game. There was no shot that the Eagles were going to win. And at this point – the city is going to accept that, hey, let's just get a high draft pick, and then they're going to go on a winning streak. And then we're just going to stuck get stuck with a terrible, like, 15 draft pick, draft some bad tight end or some bad wide receiver when a star wide receiver like, like Waddle is going to be available for us, and Howie Roseman is just going to completely screw up the draft. But uh, uh, it's, it's very a mess. Disgruntled. Very, yeah, very disgruntled. Good. At this point, just put in Jalen Hurts, see what he can give you and just hopefully get like Mika Parsons or a linebacker to help solidify that defense. But uh, either yeah. way, anyway, your Giants are off to a pretty good pretty good winning streak right now. They've won four straight, coming off a good win against Seattle. How are you feeling about them? How are they looking? Well, I felt a lot better before Washington won yesterday because I think that's going to make it a little bit circular on us. I kind of penciled them in for a loss against the Steelers, but – the Steelers didn't quite uh, hold up their end of the bargain, but as far as the Giants are going, I mean, I'm I'm very happy with what they're doing. It's really, for me, it's not even about like just winning every game. It's just been kind of competing in every game. And I think for the last two months, maybe even a little bit more, they've they've competed in every game. I mean, they could have won that Dallas game in Week Five. They easily could have won the Eagles game when Ingram dropped the ball, and then they've won these four. I mean, you could be looking at them as a seven to five team and not a five and seven team, but just with those two games alone. Um, and, you know, I think that they, they definitely, you know, right now are one of the top seven teams in the NFC, just been the way that they've been playing. I mean, I'm not saying that they definitely are, you know, set <laughs> forward, but, uh, you know, right now they've been playing great and uh, really just encouraged by Joe Judge and Pat Graham, the defensive coordinator, too. I mean, those guys, they've really got the team prepared, and Joe Judge has seemed to build the culture here, you know, where they're going to play hard for them week in and week out, and uh, they just do the little things right that they haven't done in years past, you know, just making tackles. I mean, it's really just basic stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Getting getting pushed in the run game, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's Barkley, you know, because Barkley's out. You know, you got Goldman's, you know, 16 for 135, and, you know, Alfred Morris has two wrestling touchdowns. You know, they're getting pushed in the run game, and Andrew Thomas is improving week by week, and the entire line is just starting to gel. And uh, it, it's been fun. You know, it should be an interesting game this weekend against Arizona. 
Uh, obviously, with Kyler Murray pretty banged up, Cliff Kingsbury hasn't really been putting on a coaching clinic the last couple of weeks either. So, um, you know, it should be interesting with that. And then we get Cleveland, Baltimore, and Dallas to round up the season. I think you could – I think the Giants are going to win at least two of those games. And I just – I don't know if they'll beat Baltimore. Baltimore is going to be in a must-win situation there. And I think Cleveland will be tough. But I think they can beat Arizona and Dallas. And, you know, if they get to 7-9 and nine in a season where they probably could have been 9-7, and seven, you have to feel good about them next year going forward and going forward, you know, regardless of what happens. But so I'm, I'm encouraged. Yeah. And the NFL didn't do the NFC East any favors with that opening uh, schedule for some of the teams like the giants in their first three or four, they faced Pittsburgh, Chicago, San Francisco, the Rams and yep. the, the Cowboys. Now, Say what you want about Dallas now. At that point, they still had Dak Prescott, I believe, or Dak got injured halfway through that game. Mm -hmm. So that offense was still putting up points in a hurry. Pittsburgh, we've seen what they can do so far this season. That defense is unstoppable uh, up until last last night. Yeah. 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 Like up until last night uh, against Washington, uh, that defense has been outstanding for most of this, uh, most of the season. Chicago, say what you will about Matt Nagy and that offense, but that defense is still very good. Matt Nagy's just wasting that defensive uh, talent at this point. And San Francisco was still healthy with Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle uh, and some of those other weapons that they're they're missing right now uh, on that offense. So I think overall people had to have to take into account that the NFL didn't deal the NFC East any really easy wins to start off. And I think now this is the point where – Washington, the Giants, um, they're building up some momentum. They're getting they're getting their rhythm together. They're getting their flow and finally picking up some wins and getting some confidence, which I think really played a huge part. And hopefully now the NFC least jokes can stop for the time being, but we'll yeah. see how that works. Um, but you brought up Baltimore, and I think Baltimore is a really interesting team to look at now. They've been struggling mightily uh, since that 14-2 and two season last year. Uh, with Lamar Jackson took the team by storm. Now this offense is looking stale. Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson have both been on the record saying that defenses are calling out our plays at the line of scrimmage. We need to change stuff up here. Uh, and coming off of a, a game where Lamar Jackson has been a- inactive because of he's been on the COVID list, uh, as of now, he's on track to start tonight. We're recording this on Tuesday. He's on track to start tonight against Dallas. We'll see if he can go. Uh, the NFL's protocols may pull something out last minute where he can't play. Uh, what do you think is the biggest reason or any – do you have any specific reasons that Baltimore's struggling this year compared to that dominant uh, season that they had last year? Well, I mean, I said it last year. Obviously, you know, we didn't even know each other. We weren't doing a podcast. But I didn't think that this was – they were going to be able to repeat that kind of level of dominance. I think that they really took the lead by storm with – the rushing attack that they had and just how dynamic the offense was. Teams didn't really have time to prepare, uh, prepare for it. But with a full offseason, the NFL is usually going to catch up, stuff like that. And I think that's what's happened this year. And I granted, they've still been fairly effective. And I think that, you know, they're about 500 in a tough division. <clears throat> and I still think that they've got a lot of talent there. Good coach. Here's the thing with them. Just like you mentioned that the NFC East hasn't been dealt any favors the past few weeks, or, you know, the beginning of the season with the schedule. Baltimore's middle of the season is tough. So I want to look at their schedule from in November. So they face Pittsburgh Indi- at Indianapolis, at New England, home for Tennessee, and then at Pittsburgh again. So it's 
that's a really tough five-game stretch for them, and I'm not too surprised that they didn't fare well in those. They're one and four, and obviously they had the COVID issues too. You look at their last five games. They've got Dallas tonight. They've got at Cleveland on Monday, next Monday night. They've got home for Jacksonville, home for the Giants, and at Cincinnati without Joe Burrow. There's a path to them going 5-0. and I mean, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but I think they can beat Cleveland. I think Cleveland's good. I think they proved that this week against Tennessee that they're good. They're legit. We have to take them seriously, but I don't think they're, you know, going to go undefeated the rest of the way. I think they'll have a clunker somewhere. And, um, you know, Dallas, they should beat tonight. The Giants, you know, granted, that's not going to be an easy game, but they're better than the Giants still, I think. And then they're home for Jacksonville, and they're at Cincinnati, which should be two possibly tanking teams at that point. I mean, I'm not really sure what Cincinnati is to play for anymore. So, um you know, I, it's it's hard to say if they're they're done. I mean, you mentioned Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson saying they're calling out plays at the line of scrimmage, and you know that's that's concerning. And I think that Lamar and Brown have been all, not on the same page pretty much all season. You know, down the field, they haven't really been able to connect on any deep balls. Or last year, I think they probably had like five touchdowns over you know 50 yards. It was crazy. It felt like every other week that they were connecting for some deep ball touchdowns. So. Uh, it's definitely a regression for them. I don't really think that they're going to be able to make too much noise in the playoffs, but I think that they could have a strong last five games here, get themselves into one of those three wild card slots. Like I could see them being the sixth seed, and then who would they get at that point? They get Buffalo, and like they could beat yeah. Buffalo, right? I mean, I, Buffalo's good. Don't get me wrong; they had an impressive win last night. But like, if you're taking Baltimore at Buffalo, like that line is going to be like almost a pick 'em, I think, or you know, Buffalo minus two and a half, something like that. So. Um, I don't want to, you know, cross them off yet, but we'll, we'll we have to wait and see on Baltimore. Yeah, um, it, it'll be interesting to see the game tonight for sure. Yeah, so Baltimore sitting at ninth right now uh, in the current conference standings. They're at six and five. They have a game tonight against Dallas, assuming they win. They tie with uh, the Raiders, uh, who just won against the Jets, and in a the most Jets ending possible. Which, if you didn't see it for our listeners. Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator for the Jets, called a cover zero blitz, which yeah. if for people who may not know much about football, a cover zero blitz is basically man-to-man tight coverage on the corners, on the receivers, and then you just basically send our linebackers, our defensive line, you send everyone at the quarterback, which in a Hail Mary situation, you – Every football and every football analyst, every football insider would say that is the dumbest call that you could possibly make in that situation, which ended up coming back and biting the Raiders or not the Raiders, the Jets in the ass. And Derek Carr launched the ball to Henry Ruggs for a Hail Mary touchdown with like three seconds left on the clock. Um, so the Raiders could easily be six and six at this point on the year. And then Baltimore's one step closer to the playoff picture. And I agree with you. I think this offense has looked severely one-dimensional. Lamar Jackson is not doing them any favors by not uh, – he hasn't efficiently passed well. Like like you said, him and Marquise Brown have not been on the same page. Lamar Jackson's ranking 25th in passing yards, 20th in touchdowns. He's tied for the top 10 in interceptions, but I think that's more of just uh, not having the more pass attempts – than most other quarterbacks, which is why his interception numbers are so low. And he's 22nd in QBR on the year, uh, ranked in the NFL among qualified quarterbacks. I just, I think that there's a path for them to make some noise. I don't think it's the same AFC uh, powerhouse that we saw last year. And they even took the Titans lightly and they were coming into the season. Lamar Jackson was really the face of that franchise coming into the season saying, 
hey, we took Tennessee lightly. We're going to come in and we're just going to absolutely not so much dominate, but we're looking to bully people. We're looking to pound and ground our way to victories. And they haven't done so uh, so far in lately, at least. And they've really struggled to do that this season. And I think two key players they're missing that I think people may be forgetting are Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. They were out for a couple of weeks with COVID issues. And I think losing both of those veterans, well, not veterans because Dobbins is a rookie, but losing both of those key running backs severely hurts how much they could do in an offense that's already limited. And Mark Ingram is a really, he's still producing at a high level, which people may be forgetting. And Dobbins was sort of that young, fresh blood to kind of bring in and rotate Ingram out to save Ingram for the playoffs. But I, I think that offense is really going to hurt Baltimore in the end. They're loaded on defense. That offense has to be able to put up points, especially if they're facing a Tennessee team that lit them up for 30. Uh, the Patriots lit them up for 23. They only lost, the Ravens only lost by a touchdown in that game, but the offense still struggled. And in my opinion, looking at this, uh, these next upcoming games, uh, Noah, you brought them up. Dallas at Cleveland versus Jacksonville versus the Giants and at Cincinnati. My only question is that Cleveland game. We've seen them dominate Cleveland, and we've also seen Cleveland dominate them. So I think this is a huge statement game for the Lamar to come back and say, hey, I'm still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I'm going to outduel Baker Mayfield and do it with my arm. If he can do it with his arm in Cleveland in December, that'll be a huge, huge confidence boost and will really be a huge statement and really him saying like, hey, I'm still this guy and you you all are basically wrong. So that Cleveland game is going to be the one that I'm looking at most and I'm really looking forward to. But other than that, I agree with you. I think they could easily go uh, four and one uh, in this last stretch here in the home stretch that Giants game I agree is going to be a tough one given that Joe Judge has the Giants playing their hearts out they're playing uh tough tough football and I think it's going to be a close close finish uh but I could see them finishing somewhere in that five to uh that five to maybe seven range it's just really going to depend on how well Indianapolis finishes Miami's hit a skid but they're still high at five um it's, it's just going to come down to other teams more than themselves because I think they could easily go undefeated. But if these other teams pick up a couple of wins, then it's game over for Baltimore and it's just too late. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's, that's my long rant on Baltimore. Uh, do you have any objections? And do you agree with me? No, yeah, I do. I just want to go back to that Jack game for a sec. That was basically yeah. for anybody who's played Dick Madden and uh, yes. you call it engage eight. Greg Williams had engage eight on lockdown. Yeah, like you, dude, you play prevent there. Like I, I, I heard something on the Bill Simmons podcast where it was like, you know, in a game that's between four and eight points with the last thirty seconds and the yeah. other team has the ball. I don't know if you heard that. It, it's been like two hundred plays in the last, you know, twenty years, something like that. No defensive coordinator has ever rushed more than six guys. Greg yes. Williams had seven guys. At Lamar, or sorry, Derek Carr, who's one of the most immobile quarterbacks in the NFL. It literally just made no sense. And then they had an undrafted rookie guarding Henry Ruggs, one of the fastest players in the NFL. And the corner fell for a double move, like a curl out. Like, dude, that's not going to beat you. It's if he's in front of you. Like, there was Greg Williams saying, like, hey, don't let him beat him in front of you. Like, yeah, let him beat him in front of you. You just forget the end zone. <laughs> it literally made no sense. I, I don't know. It was, it was very Jets, but, uh, you know, 
They're, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence because of it. So I don't think that should be too much. So I found, I found a tweet. It was from ESPN stats and info. Uh, there were 252 pass plays beating the following criteria in the last 15 seasons. It's within the final 15 seconds. Uh, the team with the ball is down four to eight points. Yeah. The 40 is, plus yeah. yards, 40 plus yards to the end zone. Out of those 252 pass plays, there the Jets this uh this game this past week were the first defense to send six plus pass rushers in that situation. Who did I know Adam like we've said on this podcast, Adam Gase, terrible head coach, terrible head coach, questionable offensive play caller at at if you want to be nice and be generous. But did anyone just not did any, if I'm on the field, if I'm those linebackers and I get that play call, I'd be like, nah, screw that. We're just gonna sit back and play. Screw the Dude, play it's a call. Bunch of kid, it's a bunch of kids. That's the thing. The Jets have a bunch of these yeah. you know, rookies, second year guys who they dug up off the streets or they're given shots for next year to see if they have anything with them. They're not gonna call Greg Williams out. You know, Greg Williams is kind of this alpha dog male type, you know, personality. And you know, whatever that he says, they're gonna believe. Yeah. But I mean, if you if you took you know second, I mean, if, if they still had like Avery Williamson on that defense, even or Jamal Adams, even or, you know somebody like that, just a vet or somebody's you know yeah. been in the league for long enough and has been effective in the league for a period of time. I don't know if that play would have happened, but or if they had a head coach that was confident too and let him call that, not calling a timeout, but it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. I'm not sure if it was blatant tanking or not. I mean, I thought it was, but. I don't know. I don't think, you know, you're saying like telling 53 guys to go lose a football game. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I, don't, no. I have a hard time buying it. Yeah. It might just be the and Jets. <laughs> I, it's just the, the Jets and watching Pat McAfee for so long. He's made this point repeatedly where players do not want to tank. The, the, the yeah, organizations no. or the front offices do. The players never want to put on bad film. They never want to show a lackadaisical effort because in a sport like football, where coaches are so predicated on and focused on playing to the whistle, uh, focusing, like giving your all on each snap, 60 minutes, all those cliches. Football players don't want to do that because then that affects their free agency. That affects their potential landing spots and their new contracts. So I don't think it's the Jets, the Jets players, the roster necessarily trying to tank. I think they were more of like, I think it was more of Greg Williams trying to say, uh, you know, trying to show his cojones and be like, yeah, we brought the house on a Hail Mary situation and got him for, got him to seal the game. And it was the defense that won the game. And I think it was more ego than anything. And, you know, the Jets be the Jets. That's, <laughs> it's just yep. Jets doing Jets things at this point. But um, moving on, another team that is struggling is so far in the mid stages of the season is Arizona. Cardinals have not looked good. They're three, they've lost three straight games to Seattle, New England, and the Rams. They're one and four in their last five. Kyler Murray has looked like a shell of himself from earlier this season. Uh, Noah, I'll ask, I'll start off with this. Is what are the, what is the key point that is uh, leading to these struggles for the Cardinals? And is there any way to fix them? I think it's just Kyler being banged up. And I also think Cliff Kingsbury is just, at a coaching disadvantage in terms of the other teams in his division. You look at Shanahan, uh, Pete Carroll, you know, Pete Carroll, you can kind of question a little bit now, maybe after last week, but Pete Carroll yeah. and, uh, and McVay, especially. And, uh, you know, with those three guys, and I think the Rams are seven and zero 
against the spread, you know, when they faced the Cardinals in the last three or half seasons, whatever it's been. Uh, that's just a team that McVay has been able to dominate those guys. Um, I think they've just had a tough schedule combined with Kyler, you know, ever since that Thursday night game in Seattle where he banged up his, uh, his shoulder, he hasn't really looked the same, but they had a bad loss to New England and uh, they just didn't show out against the Rams at all. And you're really, you know, you're a Hail Mary away uh, from being under 500 right now. I mean, if Hopkins mm-hmm. doesn't come down with that ball and triple coverage, they're under 500 and they're at New York this week. And I, I put it as one of my gentlemen's best, the Giants plus three and a half. I mean, I, I don't even know if I'd be giving the Cardinals that much respect on the road against a team that's won four in a row. They've lost three in a row. I don't think that the Cardinals are that much better. Uh, so, you know, I'd, I don't know. I could see them losing this game. They go to they play Philly in Arizona. You'd think that that would be their bounce back game, but you don't know. I mean, you know, Jalen Hurts comes in and ignites the Eagles. Who knows? Then they're home for San Francisco. That's not going to be easy. And then they're at the Rams, and the Rams have their number. So, I mean, I think they're at least looking at two more losses. And right now they're yeah. six and they're six and six. That means they're going eight and eight at best, which you know is probably what they are. I don't really think that they're you know an eleven win type team. They're, I think they're a little bit better than one and four in the last five. But um, you know I, I think you look at the other teams in the NFC right now. I mean the Saints are better than them. The Packers are better than them. The Rams are better than them. The Seahawks are better than them. The Bucks are better than them. And then you've got this other group of teams with the Giants, the Vikings, and San Francisco, Washington football team that you could all argue are kind of in that same tier of teams too. So I think it's just them kind of just coming back to earth a little bit. They're still a young team and, uh, and Kyler's banged up. And that's the big thing. I think for me, it's just, he can't, you know, he's not making as many plays with his legs and his arms, you know, he's just not as accurate and he's not letting it fly as much. So I think that tells you, it's, we've seen this happen with quarterbacks over the years where it's like, no, he's fine. He's just a little banged up. And then, you know, after the season, it's, Cam, you know, happen with Cam Newton, you know, Cam Newton having shoulder surgery, he's going to be out five months or whatever, like that could happen. And he could have the same thing that Newton did at that point too. So, you know, I'm, I don't have any inside information, obviously, but um, that's just <laughs> speculation. But um, yeah, I think I think that's definitely contributing to it. No, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Kyler Murray is more banged up than he or the Arizona Cardinals are letting on at this point in the season. And that's those 40, that 49ers game in week uh, 16 or yeah, week 16, uh, the 49ers may possibly get George Kittle and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. back for that game, which could severely put the load on Murray to just try and sling the ball as best he can and keep up with that San Francisco offense, because I don't see Arizona holding, if they have Garoppolo and Kittle healthy, I don't see San Francisco putting up less than uh, like 25 points. I think they'll put up a 30 point at least. I think they'll put up 30 points and I don't know if Arizona's offense is capable of uh, keeping up with that. So I think Arizona They're a team on the rise. They were who, to quote the late great uh, Dennis Green, they were who we thought they were. Like, it's – a 500 team isn't bad. They're a team on the rise. We weren't necessarily expecting them going into the season to uh, go and go deep into the playoff and make a run. It was only those first few weeks where we we saw and saw this offense and we were like, oh, this is the Texas Tech-type offense that Cliff Curtinsbury brought – this is these are this these are the type of wins that uh, this Arizona team can really put together, and at this point it's like okay they're kind of coming back down to earth. Defenses are figuring them out a little bit more, 
And eight and eight, if they finish eight and eight, that's not bad at all. Just looking at their past records over the last couple of years, 2018, they were three and 13, which got them Kyler Murray with the first round pick. And after that season and in the off season, and then in Kyler Murray's first year, they're five, 10 and one. It's not a terrible, uh, well, that, that is terrible, but <laughs> for NFL standards, that is a bad record, but it was a two win improvement. They got a tie. They were more competitive. It's just a matter of slowly building up over the next couple of years, I think. And people have to remember that this was a team. This was a young team on the rise. They're not necessarily competing right away to go to the Super Bowl. Um, it's just more of let's get the pieces around Kyler, fill fill up our line, get our defense figured out, and then kind of see where we need to make adjustments as we go through the draft. So I think I agree with you. I think this is. This is exactly the Arizona team that we thought they were going to be going into the season. And I think they could finish two and two in the, the, that last stretch of games. My question is just uh, that San Francisco game, will Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle be healthy? If not, I see Arizona winning that one, which has them at three and one. But uh, in a seven-team uh, playoff format this year, they have a very good chance of still making the playoffs. It's just they're probably going to get bounced out first round either way. So <laughs> I don't necessarily see them going far. I got to be honest, though. I think Kyler with the banged up shoulder, and if he's not making as many plays as his legs, he can't roll out and play action like he was before. I don't see them beating the Giants. I really don't. With the way the Giants defense is playing, the way you know they're just hitting quarterbacks week after week. I mean, every week they're in the top three you know, in quarterback hits, and I think they're – they're fifth now in the league on the season. And Leonard Williams, I think, had like five quarterback hits against Russell Wilson. I just, I don't know. I, I could see that being a recipe for disaster for them. I, I'm not sure if they're going to win that game. You mentioned Kittle coming back and Garoppolo. That's a 50-50 toss-up for me. And then they have uh, the Rams again. And the Rams are going to probably be playing for the division that day against, the, uh, you know, with Seattle playing um, whoever the other team is. Uh, my, how am I on San Francisco? Uh, so it's going to be a very important game for the Rams too. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't know. It, it, it should be interesting to see uh, for sure. But I know you want to move on to Detroit Lions next. Yeah. So Detroit, since we've been gone, they fired Matt Patricia finally, and they fired their GM uh, just quickly because Detroit, obviously they have Matthew Stafford, they have Marvin Jones, but these guys are aging vets. Do you have any specific coaching candidates in mind that would make this a good fit or start actually like bringing some positivity back to Detroit? <laughs> Well, I thought like the three ones that I feel like are going to be linked to them the most, maybe I'm wrong here, or four, because Josh McDaniels always ends up in every conversation somehow, although I don't think they should go for another New England assistant. Um, mm-hmm. I think it could be Wink Martindale from Baltimore, Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs, um, Jim Harbaugh maybe from Michigan, I thought. <laughs> uh, you never know, man. I mean, hey, it's still Michigan, but he wants to come back to the NFL. And then, uh, I mean, I'm worried about Patrick Graham right now with the Giants, you know, the defensive coordinator. There's been a lot of buzz about him possibly getting head coaching looks this offseason. I, uh, I think the Ravens are really going to want to get back to that defensive identity. Or, sorry, not the Ravens. The, uh, the Lions are really going to want to get back <laughs> to the defensive identity. I had Wink Martindale in my mind. That's why. So I think that they could be looking to hire a defensive coordinator again. But um, I, I don't know. It's, that, that franchise is such a – disaster right now but so is the team that they beat this week which is Chicago Bears too so that, that yeah. division has a lot of questions Minnesota's always got issues too uh really Green Bay is the only team that you can kind of trust on a year and year out basis to be at least competent um or you know Minnesota may be in that conversation too but I, I don't really have anybody like up a specific in mind I know they just got the win for the the coordinator took over I forget his name already Darren Darren something 
I don't. I wish Darren I Darren Bevel. Yeah, Darren Bevel. I, I don't know, but they, they got the win in Chicago for him, so maybe he'll get a yeah. look too if he if he Daryl Daryl Bevel. Daryl Bevel. Yeah, there you go. Um. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they kept it in house, but it would also if they just kept Bevel there for a couple of years. But I also would not be shocked if they just assuming Nagy gets fired if they're like, yeah, we just beat you. We're just gonna bring you in and have you guide our offense. Like that would be. <laughs> That would be such a Detroit hire, but I would really love to see Jim Caldwell come back. I would love to see him, you know, he was the last guy to lead this team to really above 500 record. And I would love to see the front office say, Hey, we went, we messed up firing you. You're pretty much the last guy who really led us to really any relevancy. Uh, We'd love to have you back and just try and at least, coach up some of the, our young defensive guys and hopefully help Stafford win at least one playoff game before he retires as a lion or goes somewhere else. But uh, I Caldwell is my preferred hire just because I would love to see him come back and hopefully lead this team to some type of noise, whether it's just they win a couple of upset games or they actually go on a little bit of a run next season. But uh, the, that Jim Caldwell is my preferred pick. Um, I have a proposal for you. Uh, okay. This is an Eagles-Lions proposal. I was thinking about oh, talking God. about it with my dad the other oh, day. Oh, God. I think I already know where you're going with this, but okay. Matt, Matt Statford for Carson Wentz. No. 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 Why not? Why not? People need to – I will say this. I will die on the Carson Wentz hill. Unfortunately, I will. I've already accepted that position. It is not all Carson Wentz's fault that he has been – I'm not his saying stats, it I know. I know, but I'm just saying Matthew Stafford would not thrive. No other quarterback would thrive in a much better situation. That offensive line has not looked good at all. The receivers have been dropping balls all over the place besides Dallas Goddard, who had the only like real big play of the game besides Jalen Rager's return for a touchdown. It's no, no matter what quarterback you toss, maybe Patrick Mahomes, maybe no matter, any other quarterback would struggle in that situation. And honestly, I wouldn't mind Carson getting benched this upcoming game. I don't even know who we play because I don't even really care anymore. But that but, doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense to bench your franchise quarterback for some kid who you drafted in the second round, by the way. And then say next I know we drafted him in the second round. Trust me, I never forget it. <laughs> but dude, all right, so here, here's my thing. No, Stafford, but okay, wait, hang on, hang on. I think, I think, hold on. Before you go into your thing, I believe that Carson Wentz is just under so much pressure that a benching isn't necessarily the end of the world. It's more of just take a break from like the pressure, watch the game from the sideline, see where Jalen Hurts is making some reads and see where you can improve. Because I think he's cracking under, I got to make a big play here. I got to make a big play. I got to make a big play. Especially after that Nick Foles Super Bowl year, he knew that he had to come up big for this for this city really. And I think he's just falling under that pressure a little bit as any other quarterback would besides maybe Aaron Rodgers, besides maybe Tom Brady, but even Tom Brady struggling because I think he's uh, suffering from the pressure of trying to win without Belichick. Any other quarterback I think would crack under this pressure. And it's more of the coaching and the organization just 
really breaking him, really, really just breaking him. He does not look like the same quarterback from 2017. And at this point, I don't even know. I don't even know. I think Doug Peterson has to go before Carson Wentz does. And a benching may just be a nice break, nice mental break to say, let me just observe for one game. For one game, let me just observe and not worry about having to make every single play a touchdown. Well, here's – I don't think you're necessarily wrong with any of your points, by the way. But here's my thing. And I'm not saying this is the solution. I was really just proposing it. Stafford's only five years older than Wentz. Granted, it's okay. five years. But he's 32. Yes. Yes. The Eagles, I consider more of a win-now team than Detroit. Who yes. gives you a better chance right now to win, Stafford or Wentz? Just answer that I, question. I know yes, it's some, yes. I, I, I totally agree. Right now, Stafford does give you a better chance to win. Okay. And Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick, which leads me to think that the Eagles think he might be able to be their next quarterback. So if you have a guy in-house already on a rookie contract like that, it, doesn't it make sense to bring in more of a veteran-type player who can help you win now and help him learn? And then you give Lance a chance to just get out of Philly because of all the reasons that you mentioned. He's, like, under a lot of pressure to be the guy. He's under a lot of pressure to lead them to another Super Bowl like Nick Foles did. He's got constant comparisons. The town's beating him to death, you know, on all the Philly radio stations, just everyday callers, his name, everything. You know, it's, it's probably very stressful. Don't you think going to a city like Detroit where there's no expectations, where you can go play with a couple of – he's got a couple of good weapons over there. You know, new coach. It's just a new system for him. I don't know. It's, it's closer to where he went to college. Didn't he go to college in like North Dakota State or something? No, I don't was, know. He went to, to North Dakota State. That's not close to Detroit. I, just, I don't know. I don't know. That, that was me just graphic for any point I could. But um, I, don't know. I don't know. I just think that, like, you put Stafford on the Eagles and I'm just a little bit more scared of them. I don't know. I don't know. No, and then you have Jalen no, Hurts develop under him. They're much scarier with if assuming if they hypothetically you could play Stafford on the Eagles, they're much scarier. That's I totally agree with that. He can sling the ball all over the field. But I think Wentz is already teaching Hurts. He has that part down. And I think a trade to Detroit, if that did happen, would be like, Yeah, we're just gonna trade you to Detroit and hopefully your career just dies out. And that's a that's that's Detroit, let's be honest. Detroit is like up until this season, up until this season, GMs would call Detroit and Cleveland just to get rid of their terrible contracts and hope their star players would just like fade out there. And I think Detroit, he would have to learn a new system, like you said. And maybe that does maximize his uh, potential, but also maybe it doesn't because then he's learning a new system for the first time ever. Um, I think uh, he's already mentoring Hurts, and I truly believe that the Eagles, who have invested a lot at the backup quarterback position over the years, truly thought that, okay, if Carson does go down by any chance, uh, for good or bad, we have a very good uh, backup capable quarterback who doesn't necessarily uh, have to be plugged in right away. He can learn. He can take the time to learn the system a little bit. But his athleticism offers uh, a dynamic that if Carson does go down, he still makes us a dangerous team offensively. So I don't believe the whole they knew that they they knew that Hertz would be the franchise quarterback after once. I don't think that at all. I think they saw what Taysom Hill was doing with New Orleans and uh, Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman uh, thought, hey, this guy can offer us an offensive dynamic. Uh, without necessarily having to learn the system right away and make an impact at the quarterback position right away. It's just more of 
he can offer us another offensive dynamic and provides an insurance policy as a bonus at the quarterback position if Carson does go down or struggles, which we're seeing. So either way, I think it's the organization as a whole. It's not Carson Wentz at all. The only problem is that people refuse to watch the Eagles games or actually understand what the, the problems are much deeper than just the quarterback position. It's They're so much deeper, and people just don't – I'm not saying everyone, but people just don't take the time to actually go through some of the game film and actually like keep track of their offensive line, their injury history, their offensive line, how terrible they're playing, and their secondary just hasn't been doing them any favors, although Darius Slay has been locked down so far this year um, up until that Seattle game, but it was DK Metcalf, so can't do much there. But uh, Hey, James, James Bradbury didn't let him do too much. Except for that one <laughs> stiff arm that got him an extra yard, that was pretty sick. Yeah, definitely. But Darius Slay has been doing all that, all he can to really patch up the secondary. I think it's just a team that needs some fresh blood, needs some fresh court, some fresh, really superstars. And I think that I'm on board with the draft pick and hopefully they can pick up a couple of wins to make me feel good about myself as a fan. But at the end of the day, I think Carson's still going to be the franchise quarterback going into 2021. Um, and I think people need to realize that it's not all, it's not all on his shoulders that this team has been playing so poorly. It's, it's multiple positions and multiple uh, coaching failures and multiple, just everything as a whole. It's not, it's not just, uh, it's not just Carson in, in the end, <laughs> but that's my whole Carson Wentz rant weekly. Guys, I got that out there. I thought I could yeah, yeah, get that I out know. of you. I, I just get, had to do it. It gets me fired up because I see, I see, I see, I see, weekly on my youtube feed max kellerman says carson Wentz is over on first take i'm like why is this why why is this man allowed sometimes i'm not saying all the time because i know he's a very smart guy very intelligent i can't i can't do a I, max kellerman segment here dude <laughs> i don't I, I listen to him i i know i know you don't i don't even watch him at this point but it frustrates me when espn brings up these type of topics because they give they give the Eagles all of the crap in the world when they're playing poorly and then almost virtually never give us the roses when we when we won a Super Bowl, when we won, when we were actually making some postseason noise. People didn't really give us – everyone said we were the worst number one seed in the history of number one seeds. And then we won, and then people were like, oh, yeah, Eagles won a Super Bowl. People in dog masks, cars getting flipped over. That's Philadelphia, the end. And then it was like, what, what, what the hell? But anyway, that's a whole separate discussion. But um, yeah, whole separate discussion. Uh, we're just going to just moving on because I know the Eagles are already going to lose. So that you already know my pick. Uh, this Week 14 plays bad, dude. It's really bad. We should probably just run through the games that are watchable. <laughs> There's so many unwatchable games. That's true. But uh, we're just going to kick off with Tuesday night just to wrap up week 13. Dallas at Baltimore. I think we both have Baltimore in this one. I hope. I mean, I don't want Dallas fans getting any ideas. Let's just let's push them aside. Let's push the Eagles aside. Just worry about Washington for me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Now I'm all and in this... on winning the division. I want to. I want Brady in the first round. Are you kidding? I'm a Giants fan. I'm gonna figure out my oh. annoying Giants fan. I want the... Brady and in MetLife against Danny Dimes and our defense, and we're gonna beat Danny him Dimes is gonna wither. Danny Dimes is gonna get up. A... And Donakin Sue is going to obliterate Daniel Jones. And then Tom Brady is just going to turn back time and be like 25 again. Turn it's back time to 2011, 2007. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I, really I, have an Eli, I had an Eli Manning stat the other day I wanted to read you, but I, I think I lost it. <laughs> of course. 
of course, just like Eli Manning lost the ball whenever he got touched. But anyway, touchdowns and two interceptions. In his, anyway, uh, in anyway, week 14, I'm not hearing any of this Eli Manning. He's retired. I don't care anymore. Uh, New England Patriots at Los Angeles Rams on Thursday night to kick off uh, the game. I think this will be a really intriguing matchup, but I think the Rams are back to the, the old, them old selves. McVay's offense is working really well. Jared Goff is playing, playing well. But I think he'll he won't have turnover issues that he's had in past weeks. So I'm going to take Los Angeles in this one. Uh, do you think New England's going to win, or do you see Los Angeles winning this game? I like New England. It's weird. Really? I don't know. I just, well, just do you remember what Belichick was able to do to Jared Goff in the Super Bowl? That's I don't true. know. I just I just got to prove to me with Justin Herbert. You know, some of these Belichick things it doesn't really matter who's out there. He's just they're just going to come true. Belichick against rookie quarterbacks. I mean, in bad coach and. Now, McVay's a very good coach. I'm not saying I'm not. That wasn't one up my point, but like the things is like with Belichick is he'll beat coaches that are inferior to him most of the time. He'll beat rookie quarterbacks, and he'll beat quarterbacks who are prone to clunking games, and that's what Jared Goff did in the Super Bowl. And Jared Goff always has these types of games. So I think that the Patriots it's a must-win game for them if they want to stay in the hunt to get one of those last playoff spots in the AFC. Um, I think they're going to believe a little bit. And, uh, you know, Damian Harris, I don't know if you, you saw into that Patriot Charger game, but he was just running all over the place. And now Bill Simmons said it's the best running back they've had in 20 years or whatever. So I mean, I'm not, that might be a little bit of hyperbole, but uh, he's, he's, he's got some talent. I think he's going to be able to run on the Rams. And just kind of when the Rams think that they they could possibly run away with the division after the Giants beat Seattle for them and, you know, they control their own destiny. I could see them having a game where they lose like this and it just makes it tougher on them. So I'm going to take the angle. All right, well, I'm sticking with Los Angeles. I, But I have a very weird feeling in, like, the pit of my stomach that this is, like, Belichick working his magic, and then this team makes, like, a wild card a wild card spot, and then all of a sudden they just go on an, on, an, an underdog run, and then they yeah. just start another dynasty. But, I don't know if they can do that. Cam Newton can't complete a ball past 10 yards. <laughs> it's just pretty bad. Still, still won 45 to nothing against the Chargers last week, but uh, we'll see. I, I think it's a good th- it's a good Thursday night game at the end of the day. It's not like a terrible yeah, trash. Yeah, it's not like a it's a trash typical Thursday night games. Um just bouncing around. I'm just looking at some of the games, like you said, that are actually watchable. Yeah, because like uh, I don't want to talk about Houston and Chicago. <laughs> like I, I took Houston to the gentleman's fix. I was gonna save it for that, but like did you watch the bet the Bears collapse against the Lions? Like no I did not. So bad, so bad. And then Houston fumbled the last snap, you know, in the red zone or whatever. Again, <laughs> in the final four minutes, and the Colts won because of that. And there's so many bad games. I mean, look at the Tennessee, Jacksonville, Denver, Carolina, Cowboys, Bengals, uh, Jets, Seahawks. It's, it's it's Green Bay, Detroit, Atlanta, the Chargers. It gets worse and worse. Um, this, this is the worst slate we've had, I think. Last week was pretty bad. The game came down at the end, though. They did. That's they, true. All the one o'clock games are good. Red Zone was uh, Red Zone was a good watch. I'm gonna take Houston, Houston against Chicago. You're on the same boat there. Yeah. Dallas at Cincinnati. I'm gonna take Dallas. They have more talent, and Joe Burrow really, Joe Burrow's injury really sucked the soul out of this Cincinnati team. Yeah, I agree. Um, Tennessee over Jacksonville, right? Kansas City at Miami. I think this is Tua's bounce back game, and he gets an upset. Wow. I'm going to call that. I'm going to call that. I mean, I'm not going to call it now because you did, but I mean, I could see it. I didn't think you'd actually go there and do it. And I'm not going to double down on it because doubling down on the home seems stupid, but um, I like it. Doubling down, doubling down is the American way. I'll double down. I think Miami wins by double digits. 
if that if that happens, I'm gonna be really concerned about this, uh, <laughs> this, this playoff because I'm not gonna. It really, they, they, I'm not. I'm not a, I haven't really been a Steelers believer to begin with. They've had such an easy schedule. I think they're very good, but they've had a very easy schedule too. And the NFC teams, there's flaws with every single one of them. So. Uh, I've kind of just had Kansas City penciled in to win the Super Bowl for about eight weeks now. So if that happens, I'd be pretty alarmed. Because this just reminds me of that Vegas, that first game against Las Vegas, where it was an easy, easy win for Kansas City or should have been. And then Vegas just classic trap game, just took them by surprise and just threw haymakers on offense all day. And I think Tua offers a running dynamic that could really throw off Kansas City's defense and catch them by surprise. So I'm going to take Miami, but you're taking Kansas City, I'm assuming? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be boring and just say it's the better team, <laughs> the better quarterback. But they haven't lost them now, you know, since the Raider game. Before that, they haven't lost. So, yeah, I'll take Kansas City. But um, I right. like your pick, though. I like your pick. Hey, double down the American way. Uh, Arizona at the Giants. We talked about this game a little bit earlier. Uh, I'm going to take Arizona. I know you're probably going to take your Giants. But I'm going to take Arizona because I think this is hope. I shouldn't say hopefully. I think this is similar to the Miami game. I think this is going to be a bounce back game from uh, Kyler Murray and Arizona. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're running the ball a lot more. Uh, And I think that's going to lead to some success against the Giants. But I think it will be close. And I would not be shocked at all if New York, uh, if the Giants hang tough and stay in this game towards the end. I like the Giants, and I objectively like the Giants just for the reasons I laid out before with Kyler being banged up. Giants are also fourth against the run defense, and their defense has been pretty much the best defense in the league the last four or five weeks. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just this, this combination with how much Arizona's been struggling and the Giants being hot, Giants really believing in themselves now, the game being back in New York, they won two straight road games as well. Um, Arizona, just looking at them on defense, they're 22nd against the run. The Giants have been averaging well over 100 yards on the ground the last six or seven weeks now. Wayne Goldman, 16 for 135. I think the Giants are getting really good push at the line. Uh, the move with Shane Lemieux playing left guard has really helped out. I think the Giants are going to be able to run all over Arizona, which takes the ball out of Jones's hands, which, you know, I, I do think Jones can make the throws, and I think he should play this game. Obviously, he did not play in Seattle. Um, but I don't really think they want to rely on him to make too, too many plays against this team. Arizona a little bit better against defending the pass. And obviously Jones, before the injury, hadn't turned the ball over in three games, but he's still turnover. You know, that can still happen. So I don't know. I just I feel like a lot of it lines up for the Giants to win. But I'm also scared off because everybody's going to be on the Giants, and that's usually when the Giants let you down. Usually the Giants are better when everybody's picking against them, and they're 10.5-point underdogs in Seattle like that rather than being, you know, a favorite in a game. So we'll see. I mean, I, I definitely see your logic with taking the Cardinals, too. Yeah, I would not – I think the Giants are hot, but like you said, this would be a game where they're riding hot, people are picking them, and then they just lose this one. At the yeah, end and then the, the football team beats San Francisco or whatever, and, and then, yeah. then we're not in first place anymore. <laughs> but I think it'll be a good game. I think that's going to be a really good competitive one, and uh, there'll be a really good uh, – pivotal moment for both teams as they look to go to the playoffs up next we got minnesota at tampa bay tampa bay struggling uh in their last few games there have been reports of real tension between uh head coach bruce arians and tom brady uh bruce arians has literally come out on uh interviews and said yeah we pick what whatever play uh tom calls so i think 
I think this is a situation where Tampa Bay is going to collapse like any other quote unquote super team in the NFL that tries to get formed. And I, I think Tampa Bay at this point is just not, not as good as we, we thought they were going to be. And Minnesota with Adam Thielen coming back uh, off of COVID list and their offense still producing at a high level. I think that Minnesota is going to win this one and just send Tampa Bay into a further into the spiral that they're already going down. What do you think about this game? I'm going to go the other way just because I like, you know, I agree with the things you laid out and I don't think Tampa's going to be a Super Bowl team because of them. But I also just don't trust Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer on the road in this situation. And uh, the Bucks coming off a bye, you know, they're going to be healthy. Godwin's going to be fully ready. I think Brady's going to be really, you know, pissed off because of all the tension that's happened. I could see him having a vintage Tom Brady game. Minnesota, obviously, a very bad pass defense. They let Mike Lennon pretty much drive him down the field a couple times last Sunday. And, uh, you know, usually, I feel like with the Vikings and the and the Bucks and, and a lot of these other teams, the Rams, too, in the NFC, like, usually one of the quarterbacks when they play these games is going to suck. Like, that's just kind of a general rule of thumb. Like, just one of them is going to be bad. Uh, that's why I kind of like the under in this game. I think one of them is just going to have a clunker. I think Tampa's going to win. Like, I kind of see this game just being, like, Bucks 27, Vikings 10. Like, just something kind of weird like that, like where the Vikings yeah. just get blanked somehow. And, you know, the Bucks defense, after getting gashed by good offenses for weeks, finally looks good because of the names that they have on the defense. I don't know. It's kind of just a gut feeling. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Tampa and just go the other way. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I think this – I would not be surprised if – Minnesota struggles, but I think they're going to keep the trend going. Um, a pretty quick pick here, Denver at Carolina. Carolina's getting back Christian McCaffrey, but yesterday the Panthers placed eight players on COVID list, so they got hit. We'll see if this game gets rescheduled, but as of now, it's still on for Sunday at 1 p.m. kickoff. I think Denver wins, and Drew Locke's going to keep playing and kind of have – a slow, like steady climb and improvement, not necessarily huge leaps. And I, I think this is a game where he could put up some big numbers in a hurry. You're higher on Drew Locke than I am, but I'm also going to take Denver because I'd like their effort against Kansas city on Sunday night. You know, they played, they played in puff and they've got some players on that team. I mean, I think we do this every year where, I mean, I do it every year where there's two teams I'm kind of on and usually Denver's one of them just because I like picking Denver because usually just there's a solid football team, even if they lose games. Second usually is the Chargers or the Falcons, some team like that, Minnesota. Uh, I like Denver in the situation. I think they're better than Carolina. Um, I can't really break down the game too much else other than that. I mean, Carolina's coming off a bye. I think they, they, they placed like eight players on COVID reserve list. So I don't really know who's going to be going for them on Sunday. Obviously, we're doing this Tuesday, so it's a little bit tough to project, you know, what that yeah. that game's going to look like, if the spread's going to move too. But I think Denver is probably a better team, so I'll just take them for that reason. Yeah. Uh, and Denver's defense is very good. Only held Kansas City to like 22 points. Um, and I think that defense is really underrated. And once they get Bob Miller and Bradley Chubb back next season – they could, they could be, assuming that they do sign Drew Locke again and they get back, like I said uh, before, Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, and they get back Cortland Sutton. That's, those, are, those three players alone are going to be huge, huge boosts for this team and could propel them to, you know, middle of the pack in the AFC next, next season. But we'll see. Uh, another uh, pretty much unwatchable game, I'll be shocked if this is close, is Tennessee at Jacksonville. We're both on Tennessee, right? There's no need to cover this game. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, a couple of these games we don't really have to cover either, like the Jets and the Seahawks. 
I kind of want to see if the the Jets Seahawks game. I kind of want to see if uh, the Jets get their first win because at this oh, point right. in the season, at at the at this point in the season, is it can they finish zero and sixteen? Can they yeah. do it? Yeah, I know they can. I know they can, but will the football gods be against them and just send them to a winless season? I would not be surprised. I would not be. I think it is completely within the realm of possibility that Seattle struggles and the Jets somehow find a way to uh, stay competitive in this one and catch everyone by surprise and put some question marks on Seattle's future uh, if they do decide to keep uh, Pete Carroll, he just signed an extension. I'm I'm not saying they're going to fire him or anything, but they lose to a Jets, a winless Jets team. If I'm the front office, I'm questioning what's going on with my team at that point. But um, Seattle's going to win by 30 points. All right. Well, I think Seattle. I think Seattle's going to win. I don't know about 30, but uh, I, the firing of Greg Williams certainly helps really expand the chaos and just make this team so much worse than it already is as if that was any possible uh indianapolis at las vegas i think this is two question mark teams i think this is indianapolis people know they have a good defense uh las vegas has had good offense at times but we saw them struggle against the jets and almost lose if it wasn't for a hail mary and a poor defensive play call from greg williams uh, I think Indianapolis wins this one, but I think it'll be a really good game. And I think Indianapolis is going to win by like a touchdown. If they keep the ball out of Phillip Rivers' hands and just, just run it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a Vegas believer anymore. I'll take Indy too. Uh, I just, uh, this would put Indy at eight, nine and four, which pretty much pencils them in. Cause I think, you know, 10 wins are going to get them in. They're going to win one of the last three games. And I just don't love them in the playoff team, but I, you know, I guess you got to talk about them like that. More looking at the AFC, there might not be a pass for Baltimore, Vegas, or New England to get in. I mean, you got Cleveland, Miami, and Indy as the four wild cards. Cleveland's going to get to 11 wins. You look at their schedule, they still have the Jets on their schedule. Then the Dolphins are 8 and 4. You think they're going to beat Kansas City? I don't know if that's going to happen, but they, they play New England, Vegas, and the Bills after that. So that's the only team I can really see coming out of this because the Colts, I think they still have a Jacksonville game. Yeah, they still, the, the Colts still play. They play the Raiders, Texans, Steelers, and Jacksonville. I think the Colts and Browns are locked in to those five and six spots. Yeah. I think the only team that you can take out is Miami. Um, and, you know, maybe Tennessee if the Colts end up winning the division and Tennessee somehow falls out. But uh, Tennessee still has the Jacksonville, the Jaguars, and the Lions too. So, uh, I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting. I think if, if Indy wins this game, I think you can pretty much knock out Vegas from the playoffs. I think it's a must-win to them. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in them, so I'll take the Colts. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, NFC North matchup, Green Bay at Detroit. Green Bay, I think that's a lock. Would you agree? Yep. Okay. Yes, sir. Don't don't much. I think Rodgers is going to have another career day and just keep this team marching. Uh, Saints at Eagles, rematch of the NFC, not the NFC. It would have been the rematch. It would have been the NFC Championship in the Super Bowl year where the Eagles won had it not been from the Minneapolis miracle uh, from Stephon Diggs and. Uh, I think with Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill is looking like a more and more confident at quarterback every week he's improving. And this is just going to be another week where he keeps taking those steps uh, in improvement and throwing the ball more confidence, just tossing it up to Michael Thomas. Don't think about it too much. And I think Michael Thomas is just going to have an 
absolute insane day uh, against this defense. That's it's solid. It's not the best. It's I think it's better than people give it credit for, but the offense is just going to sputter and Miles Sanders won't get the ball enough. And it's just a whole nother. The Eagles are the Eagles at this point, And new Orleans is just going to keep on winning. You agree? Yeah, I don't really have too too much to add. Uh, uh, the, have you ever heard an announcer say that, like, so so and so doesn't get enough credit for this, and it's, you're just like, what the hell? Like, yeah. it's like classic Mark Jackson thing. I heard one the other day. There's two of them in the Giants game. One of them was Evan Ingram doesn't get enough credit for uh, for him for him as the pass as a blocker. I was like, what? <laughs> like, he blocked like one guy, and they announcer said that. And then the next time it was like uh, Chris Carson doesn't get enough credit uh, for being a pass catching running back. And then Chris Carson dropped the ball that led to an interception. It got deflected like two plays after he said that. So like that's just something you look out for. Whenever an announcer says someone doesn't get enough credit for something, just watch out for the opposite to happen later in that game. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. That broadcasting point. I understand as someone who's trying to become a broadcaster at some point, mm-hmm. I understand the difficulty of the job. I understand the amount of preparation, not all the, all the preparation, but I understand some aspects of that job where it can be a little overwhelming. It can be a little stressful, especially with the travel schedule when you're working at that high of a level. But some of these broadcasters are just atrocious. I did, they just, take stuff that doesn't make any sense like you said where evan ingram doesn't get enough credit as a as a, a pass blocker or a run blocker or whatever i think the broadcasting game there are enough people that are trying to get those gigs that you could easily rotate some people out and get some just try and be willing to experiment with some new people instead of just putting together some of these bad, bad play callers and bad broadcast booths. But that's a whole nother discussion for another day. We'll, we'll um, do an announcer's episode at some point. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like my God. We got to power hour. rank, power rank, power rank each broadcast booth performance. Yes. I'll give you uh, I'll give you my favorite announcers in sports right now. It's Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. Sunday Night Football. Oh, oh yes. 100%. Sunday Night Football. Like, yes. I'm, I'm a Joe Buck fan, too. Joe Buck's probably second, but. Uh, and, and obviously Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, those guys too are great, but um, Kevin Harlan's great too. I'm just going through the ones I like. <laughs> those, those are the good <laughs> national guys. Because we always bash on the guys that suck like last year. Yeah, yeah, remember, yeah. You know, and it would be yeah, you know, yeah. Steelers, Steelers would be playing, you know, the, the Browns on a Monday night game. and Duck Hodges is playing quarterback. He, Hodges over the middle with James Conner for three yeah, yards. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my God, dude, like shut up. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Some of some of those guys you do have to bring that excitement to the game a little bit because you're selling you're selling the audience you're selling the viewer you're trying to bring them and get them excited about this game so I kind of understand that but uh, Char- I'm really torn on Charles Davis I like Charles Davis's energy I like I like his he's his excitement about the game of football um, but he freaks. he brings up the basketball history he loves bringing up when tight ends were like basketball players. Uh, and oh, I, God, I the worst Jimmy Graham. Like, did you know he played tight end for Julius yes. Thomas? Yes. Oh, or he played basketball. God. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, I, I pre, I love, I love uh, seeing Charles Davis go on like the Pat McAfee show. I think he's a really good guy. It's just some of those parts are just my preferences. Uh, I love Chris Collinsworth and Mike Tirico or Al Michaels, whoever he's working with. Um, I think Collinsworth is great. 
whoever he's with. Tariko is a great veteran. Al Michaels has been amazing. He's a voice of a generation. Uh, the month, the month, the Monday night booth though is is questionable. I love it Lewis Riddick. Yeah. I love Lewis Riddick. I think he's a great, great guy to have on in the booth. But those three pe- those three person booths with he's with Brian Greasy and uh, who am I? Steve missing? Levy. Steve Levy. Thank you. Um, yeah, that, that that's just such a tough dynamic to work with that I think there's so many miscommunications and I understand Levy. He's, he said in interviews that, Hey, I'm still learning. It's still a process. And I completely understand that. It's just with Monday night football, you need, you need star power. You need uh really great. There really isn't, it's getting to a point where there is no time to wait and experiment. You got Monday night football has to start making these calls and they've already tried luring away Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Tony Romo. Um, but it's just, I, ESPN has to figure something out. Just bring, just bring Pat McAfee on. That's all the internet wants. It's just Pat yeah. McAfee calling a Monday night game. But uh, that's a whole great separate. Great for the dis- new age fan. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah, we'll we'll do that as a separate segment one another day. Um, so getting back Falcons to the NFL Chargers. slate. Yeah, Falcons Chargers. Chargers have been. Anthony Lynn said in the locker room, allegedly, according to multiple reports, that they're basically out of the wild card hunt and they're out of the playoff hunt, which I don't know how, I don't know how as a coach you tell your team that, but props, I guess, respect to him for being, I guess, so blunt and honest. Um, I don't know how much that creates a winning culture though. So I think Atlanta's rolling. They've turned it around since they had those collapses early in the season. And I think Atlanta is just going to continue uh, improving and maybe finish 500, but I think that's a little bit of a stretch. And I think Atlanta is just going to win this one, but I'm excited to see what Justin Herbert's going to do because he's the only reason I watched the Chargers at any point in this season now. What so who do you would we been better off of as a country running the pandemic? You think Trump or Anthony Lynn? <laughs> well, Sorry. <laughs> I was not expecting that type of question. Uh, yeah. No, it's not a yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a little that's a little bit of a muddy subject. I, I, I hey, as a I, as a head coach. Co- no, I'm just saying in general, as a head coach, Anthony Lynn, respect to him for being like, hey, get your affairs in order. We're not we're likely not making the postseason. Uh, and I don't think he's like guaranteed to be fired by any stretch of the imagination. I think there is a likelihood that uh, the Chargers front office keeps him for another year just to give. Herbert another year in his offense now that he knows he'll be the starter just to give him more time and more continuity so it was just a strange story more than anything and I'm so I would not be shocked if those those kind of talks happen in NFL locker rooms more often than we realize because we just don't hear about them but um yeah yeah so you're going Falcons too yeah Falcons all right uh not wrapping up the late afternoon slate, 425 kickoff, Washington at San Francisco. Two competitive teams. San Francisco stayed in that Monday night game against Buffalo for a little while, but Buffalo just pulled away in the end. Uh, Nick Mullins will remain at starter for San Francisco while Jimmy Garoppolo heals from injury. I think Washington is just rolling at this point. They're feeling they have some all the confidence in the world. And I think they're just going to go into San Francisco. Well, actually, it's not even in San Francisco. I forgot. They're the Arizona 49ers at this point because they moved to Arizona, to, I, which uh, which is insane to me. But uh, 
I think Washington's just going to go into Arizona, win this game. I think they're playing with too much confidence, and I think it's going to be a pretty hand, pretty uh, convincing win. I think it'll be double digits. Do you see San Francisco winning this game, or do you see Washington just keeps on rolling? I think Washington will win. I don't want them to win because I know, um, you know, that'll put more pressure on the Giants. But I think that they're probably better than San Francisco at this this point. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take the football team, too. All right. Now we got some of the actual main uh, courses in this slate. Sunday night football, we got uh, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Pittsburgh coming off of their first loss of the season, which may be a good thing to get that first loss out of the way. And now they can focus on the playoffs and just get back and refocus to who they were without the pressure of an undefeated season. And now they come in to face a Buffalo team that put up 34 points against San Francisco and a 34 to 24 win uh, last night on Monday night football. I think this will be a really, really good game. I'm interested to see how Josh Allen handles this defense. Will Stefan Diggs have a monster game? Uh, with this defense being so dominant when you have Joe Hayden in the secondary, TJ Watts breathing down Josh Allen's neck, getting pressure. I think this is a real prove-it game for Buffalo to say, hey, we're one of the top three teams in the AFC. We belong right in this conversation in the playoffs for the Super Bowl. Uh, and I think Buffalo I think Buffalo could catch Pittsburgh slipping and really just make a, make a statement really in, throughout the league and say, hey, we're still – we're a cream of the crop team and you better put some respect on our name. I think Stefan Diggs is going to have a huge one here as much as uh, the Pittsburgh stats tell me that he won't. I think this, this could be a, I'm really going to roll with the underdog in this one and take Buffalo here. What do you see in this game? Damn it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Buffalo beat them last year, 17 to 10, their previous meeting, which shows me that McDermott can beat Tomlin. That's really all I need to see because I think Buffalo is a better team right now. They've just impressed me more over these last three or four weeks. And um, I'm just not that high on what I've seen from the Steelers' offense. I think they can't run the ball, and they don't have a number one receiver. I think Juju's a very strong number two. Um, you know, the, the Steelers just had, like, I think, like five drops yesterday. And to me, Ben Roethlisberger's holding it back a little bit. Now, granted, he's played well. He's had a good mm-hmm. season. But he's missing some throws where they could be scoring on them. And he, it's just he's not – He's not getting the ball downfield as well as he used to. Some throws yesterday were just in the double coverage. Like you're giving the football team a better chance to catch the ball than you are, you know, your receiver. I don't know. I just haven't really liked what I've seen from them. I think they've had a very fortunate schedule. Um, and, you know, they're a good team still. Don't get me wrong. I think they're one of the three best teams in the AFC still. Uh, obviously still holding the number one seed. But um, right now I just think Buffalo might be a, t- a teeny bit better. But I'm interested to watch it because I could be wrong. And, you know, Pittsburgh could say, no, you know, we're 11-1 for a reason. Buffalo hasn't, you know, been in a championship game in X amount of years for a reason, and we're going to prove that. Uh, so I think it'll be a good watch. I'm definitely going to be into it, but I think I like Buffalo too. Yeah, and uh, I agree with you. Pittsburgh's offense has been the biggest question mark, and Washington exposed that a little bit. I even heard Chris Collinsworth on the uh, Wednesday night game against Balt- between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Uh, it was – hey, they still are struggling to run the ball. Roethlisberger is getting the ball out of his hands quicker than ever, which has been a key part of their success, granted. But they, they can't stretch the ball downfield as well as they have done in the past. And uh, Chase Claypool, James Washington, they're great. Juju Smith-Schuster, they're great young wide receivers. But they're not uh, at the level that 
they can just go up like an Antonio Brown where you can just toss it up and they'll go get it. And I think Washington's short dink and dunk passing attack is getting exposed. And I agree with you that they need to run the ball uh, in order to win this game. And I don't think they'll have much success. So I think it'll be a really good pick. And I think we may be the only podcast that takes Buffalo. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, hey, hopefully we'll be some uh, prognosticators, big SAT word over here, and hopefully hopefully get that pick right. But, you know, we're going to stick with them either way. Uh, just wrapping up the Monday night or wrapping up the weekend slate, Monday night football, Baltimore at Cleveland. Talked about this game a little bit earlier in the show. Lamar Jackson, I think I mentioned it earlier, he is on track to start Tuesday, although that hasn't been confirmed. I think Baltimore is just taking its time and not necessarily guaranteeing anything. Uh, Cleveland's nine and three. They're respectful. They're really turning around. Baker Mayfield had a huge, huge game in a 41 to 35 win against Tennessee. He was 25 for 33, 334 yards, four touchdowns, no turnovers. That's the Baker Mayfield that we're used to seeing. And I think that's going to continue against this Baltimore team that's struggling. Uh, And I think Cleveland's defense, I think Miles Garrett's going to get after Lamar Jackson and really stymie this, uh, this Baltimore rushing attack that's really been one-dimensional. And I don't think Lamar Jackson coming back really changes anything. Do you see, do you agree with me? Do you see anything different? How do you, how do you think this Monday night game is going to go? See, I think I'm leaning Baltimore. It's it's hard for me to make a pick right now because I want to see how Baltimore looks tonight against Dallas. Um, But if they have a pretty convincing win against Dallas, Baltimore beat Cleveland 38 to six back in September. Granted, mm-hmm. very different teams. You know, Cleveland's better since then, and the Ravens probably are worse. But I just, I don't know, 38 to six. I think Harbaugh was, I don't know, I don't remember. Can you, can you name the last time Cleveland beat Baltimore in Cleveland? I feel like Baltimore's gone in there and just beaten them up over the past few years. It's a different team, um, but it's still Baker Mayfield. I don't know. It's, it's a pick em game for a reason. You know, it's, a, it's really a toss up. I think I'll just take Baltimore to go from the other way of you. And also just because, you know, it's a primetime game. Cleveland really hasn't been in the situation too much before nine and three, they're kind of due for a loss. They've had a lot of these games where they've been able to win these sloppy games. They're playing, you know, one possession, Nick Chubb breaks off a big run. They win Baker Mayfield makes one play that he needs to. And don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from them. They're doing what they have to do. But Tennessee was really the first convincing win that they've had. And they got outscored, I think 28 to three in the second half. Now, I'm going to give them a pass for that. You know, they haven't really been in a situation where, hey, you know, we're leading by 35 points at halftime. You know, it was a great first-half performance. But you saw them get a little bit lackadaisical towards the end. Shows me that they're not completely there yet. You know, a team like the Chiefs probably wouldn't let that game get as close as it did at the end. So, it's it's tough to say. I'll take Baltimore right now. But I think tonight will be a big telltale for it. Yeah. Um, I think this was one of those games. It was like that Cleveland, they already won. Uh, against Dallas I think this was one of those games where the scoreboard was a little more deceiving than uh, people may think I think this is this game was over by halftime like you said and Tennessee mounted a little bit of a comeback so I agree that it is a caution uh, a sign of caution for fans if you do want to pick this game Um, but I I really think Cleveland's just rolling on all really just rolling offensively and I think Nick Chubb is going to have a huge game and I think Baker Mayfield's just going to do his own thing, throw for a couple of touchdowns, maybe 200 yards, and just get the win at the end of the day. So I'm going to roll with Cleveland here. And like you said, we're going to see what Baltimore's made of uh, once he can – once Lamar Jackson comes back 
and we can see if this offense has made any adjustments once they do add uh, him into the fold. But just to wrap up this episode, we're going to do our gentlemen's wagers. Uh, last time we did these, we were both two for three. Uh, Detroit, unfortunately, uh, kept me from going uh, three for three on the on the slate at that point. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I'm not. I'm feeling pretty good about these bets, and it's early in the week. We, if you haven't already noticed, we're recording on Tuesday, uh, so some of these lines are a little bit early. Um, my picks are Pittsburgh plus one and a half, Cleveland plus one and a half, and Green Bay Detroit over 55 and a half points. Uh, what are your bets for the people? I've got Houston minus two, Giants plus three and a half, and Minnesota Tampa under 52. Yeah, I think 52 is high for an over under with that Minnesota Tampa Bay game. One of those quarterbacks but, is going to play badly. I just, it's just usually how it goes. Primetime Kirk Cousins. Yeah. For sure. Primetime Bucks. Primetime Bucks. Bucks are like a lot oh, more Primetime this year. Shit. Primetime Bucks. They're on the loose. All right. Thank you all for listening. We're happy to be back. We'll get these episodes out more consistently. Just got caught up in a little bit of things. So thank you all for tuning in. Uh, from Noah and myself, thank you all for listening. You could have tuned in to anything else. And thank you all, and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms as well as podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, Your subscription and follows mean just as much as you actually playing the episode. Uh, Thanks again for listening um, and I hope that you guys have a great rest of your day and hopefully you enjoyed this one. So...